Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I am so excited to be here with all of you today, and for those of you keeping track of all of my Shoulder recovery stuff, I have full range of motion in three directions. We're still working on one, and if it wasn't for the folks at Longevity Rehab, I am not sure what I would be doing, but it's no longer a grimace of pain when I have to put my headsets on for this show. So um, it's it's very exciting for me. And another, another exciting thing for me today is my guest today. Um, my guest is Cheryl Ellis, and she is the author of Becoming Deliberate, Changing the Game of Leadership from the Inside Out. Now, I've known Cheryl for a couple of years now, and I love talking to her because every single time I talk to her, I learn something, and we have such great conversations. She is a former business executive turned entrepreneur, and she truly helps business leaders achieve more and perform at higher levels so that they can get bigger and better results. She is a trusted advisor to business executives, entrepreneurs, and professionals. Cheryl is passionate, and I mean passionate, about personal development. She works directly with global thought leaders in business growth, leadership excellence, high performance, and personal transformation. I honestly don't know where she gets her, all her energy from, but she is a certified high performance coach, and I'm sure that's some of it. Her teachers and mentors include the one and only Jack Canfield, John Maxwell, and Brendan Burchard. She founded her company, Ellis Business Enterprises, to help business owners and business executives get better bottom-line results by developing leadership ability at all levels in their companies. She is an active volunteer in her community. She is the chair of their Women in Business program at her Chamber of Commerce. And more than that, she is somebody that truly understands being deliberate and how you can truly change leadership from the inside out. Please welcome my guest, Cheryl Ellis. Wow, Laura, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, and I'm so looking forward to being here with you today, too. Well, you know, it's so much fun having you on the show because you take a totally different perspective around leadership, and I've had a number of guests on the show talking about leadership several weeks ago. I had Marlene Chisholm, who wrote No Drama Leadership, which I think is going to become one of those books that everybody must have in their library, like your new book, Becoming Deliberate, Changing the Game of Leadership from the Inside Out. I've had um, Deborah Lewis on the show talking about leadership. She was in the first graduating class of women at West Point. Wow. and served in the U.S. Army for 34 years, including multiple tours in Afghanistan and, and the Pentagon. I mean, leadership is something that, I mean, it's one of those words that has so many different meanings to so many different people and so many different ways you can implement it. And, and I love your perspective on it, you know, about how, being deliberate makes such a difference. Yeah, well, I find that it's really um, one of the important elements of becoming the best leader that you could possibly be. And when you are intentional about about it, when you're, you know, when you do it on purpose, when you say to yourself, "Look, I want to be a better leader. I want to be there to support my team or my family members or even myself." 
in the best possible way. And if I'm deliberate about it, then I can really think about what, what that looks like, what it feels like, what it, what it sounds like, and I can just do a much better job of it. So, yeah, the, the deliberate piece is really, it's, it's become very critical. How do you define leadership? I'm really glad you asked that because uh, most people make the mistake of thinking that leadership is about their position. It's about, I'm in a position of leadership, or they think it's about their title, or they think it's about whatever credentials they might have or whatever letters they might have after their name. And to me, leadership is not about any of those things. It's really more about, it's about, it's about your ability to connect with other people and your ability to influence other people. And it really comes down to that. So I say everybody has the opportunity to be a leader because everybody influences someone or everyone has the opportunity to connect with other people. And even if the only person in life that you're leading is you, having leadership capability and credibility is still important. So, you know, at the very minimum, we're leading ourselves through our own lives. And, you know, that can be really challenging on a day-to-day basis. I mean, let's face it, we're... We have all these things coming at us, all these distractions, all these requests, all this information, and how do you sort through that and kind of lead your way through life in a way that's meaningful to you and and is purposeful and really makes the contribution that you want to make? So in your definition of leadership, those people who say, I'm in a leadership position or any of those, they're really more management. So they're really managing more. They may be a leader as well, but they're definitely a manager. Well, yes and no. I mean, I I think that you can be in a leadership position and be a leader or not such a great leader. You know, just because you've been given the responsibility doesn't mean that you lead effectively. Uh, So you could have a title that is a leadership title. And you could be in a role that requires leadership. But let's face it. I mean, I know you and I have talked about this before. We both worked for people who were not really effective leaders, and we struggled with that. And so there are people in leadership positions that are not effective. But the type of leadership that I'm talking about is deliberate leadership. It's I'm setting out to be the best that I can be. And, you know, whether it's just me or whether it's a a small team or a really large team, I still want to do the best job that I can do at that. And I want to do it, I I want to do myself justice. I want to do my team justice. I really want to, you know, respect the people on my team and what they bring to the table and the contribution they can make. And I know that in order to do that, I've got to do the best job of leading them that I possibly can. Well, I know from personal, it's about a mindset, okay. Yeah, exactly. Now, I know from personal experience that when I owned my tech company, I was a terrible leader. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I can recognize it because since then I've learned even more about leadership. And sometimes I wasn't even a good manager. I I wasn't even that great a manager at it. I just assumed that everybody should know what they needed to do because I knew what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually that, that, that's not uncommon, Laura, so you, you were in lots of good company, and I think, you know, everybody starts, you know, in a position of leadership or management, and, you know, we, we just kind of assume that they know what they have to do, and they know how to do it, 
and they're going to be effective out of the gate. And it's just, you know, it's just not true. I mean, it to me, learning how to be a great leader is one of those lifelong pursuits. I mean, you can always be better at it because when you're dealing with individual people and they're, and the way they think and the way they feel and the way they behave, you know, there's so many variables that anything can happen. So it, it really is um, kind of a lifelong study. And, you know, one of the reasons why I talk about deliberate leadership so much is because I think that great leadership emanates from the inside out. So it's really that inside work that you do on you that helps you become a better leader. So when you were in the position that you were talking about, you probably were really new to it and you weren't really thinking about it so much as you you were probably running the business without really thinking about leadership as part of the responsibility. And it really is a separate responsibility to think about, separate and apart from all the other aspects of running the business. And I think that's what happens is most people don't really think about it with any intention. Yeah, and I I did and I didn't. It was, you know, the business was growing. It went from just me to having employees and to having employees in two states. And we did really well, and my staff stayed with me for very long periods of time. But I would get frustrated. And once I finally realized why I got frustrated was I'd give somebody, okay, I need you to do this, and I figured they could fill in all the blanks and do it, and then I'd get frustrated. It was because I hadn't set up the expectations right or necessarily provided them right training, or I thought they could do what I could do. Hmm. And yeah, that, that's another thing I see that happens really often. You know, we, we just kind of assume that everybody is like us or everybody thinks yeah. like us or everybody has, you know, a similar thought process and a similar style of being in the in the world, and it really isn't true. And so the best leaders take the time to get to know each of the individuals on their team and really understand kind of what makes them tick, you know, what's important to them, how do they like to communicate, how do they like to be managed, how do they, you know, what's what's motivational for them, what what, um, what stresses them out. And the more you understand about the people on your team, the more effective you can be in really getting the most out of them and, and, and also providing them the best type of support that they might need because everybody needs something different from their leader. And so it really ends up being a pretty individual game. You know, you, you can't lead everyone the same way. But yet we tend to do that because it seems like it would be a lot easier, but we don't have very good, effective teams if that's what we're doing. I think that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, I mean, you can you can certainly lead that way. And believe me, I've worked for plenty of leaders that just had this kind of a my way or the highway mentality where they, oh, yeah. where they I have said, stories. you know, <laughs> yeah, this is the way I lead and everyone else has to adopt my my way of thinking and adapt to my way of leading. And it doesn't matter if that's how you do your best work or not. And I had, I'll give you an example. I had a, I worked for a, I worked for a guy who um, had a really interesting personality, and I, I could tell lots of stories about him, but one of the things that really um, was really challenging for me was that he was, a, he was a very linear thinker, and I am not a linear thinker. I, I have a different way that I, my brain works, which is information comes in a lot of different places from a lot of different senses, and it just kind of meshes around in there. And then when it comes to solving a problem, I, I call on what I need to come up with 
what I need to do. But it, it's it's no way linear. It's not A follows, you know, A before B, before C, before D. And he was very linear. So he asked me to work on a, you know, to manage a project for him. And he wanted to know exactly what my steps would be from beginning to end. And I, I don't, I don't operate that way. It's not the way my brain works. It's not the way I work. It's not how I do my best, how I make my best contribution. And he was very frustrated with me over that, and we, we had a really hard time. And I was trying to explain to him that, Bob, look, at the end of the day, I'll get to the place where you want to go because I understand clearly what outcome you're trying to get to, but I will, I will get there a different way than you would. And... I can't get there your way. I have to get there my way. And, you know, I think this is really a lot more common than most people realize, that, you know, people have different ways of processing. And unless you learn how to respect that, you're never going to get the best out of people. They're going to struggle to make you happy as, as the boss. They're going to struggle to do things the way you want them done. But they're not going to do their best work, and they're not going to be, you know, really, um, you know, happy, happy doing it. Well, you've had a really long career, like over 40 years, mm-hmm. in, and have seen leaders come and go, been a leader yourself. How has leadership really changed? I mean, do you think that it's changed over over the years from what we saw? Because I, I still have leaders that are like the one you just talked about, and I have even some horror stories, worse horror stories than well. from that one. Leadership has changed dramatically. There's just no question about it. Because, you know, it used to be okay to rely on your position to get things done. But today, you really have to have extraordinary skills around influence. And it used to be okay to lead everyone the same way. But today, you really need to understand and appreciate the differences and and truly value them. And it used to be simpler to communicate your message and to get it across. But today... There's more noise than ever, more distractions, and more styles of communication and listening um, that people have. I mean, just consider, for example, the different generations that are at play in the workplace right now. And, you know, everyone has different needs and different um, methods of communicating. I mean, you have your older workers who, you know, still believe in face-to-face communication and the telephone, and you have your youngest workers who really do everything – to do everything electronically, and most of their communication not only takes place by text, but it's also in a, in a form of abbreviations, which, you know, maybe some of the rest of us don't even understand. So there's a big gap between um, how people communicate. So unless you can really tune into that and understand those differences and really appreciate them and leverage them, you know, again, you can't, you can't do your best work. So leadership has become much more complex much more challenging, and especially if you really want to do it well. Well, I was speaking to one of the interns at our studio and before the show started, and she was talking about she wants to be a journalist and how journalism has changed because newspapers don't exist. Only the old people <laughs> read newspapers. And I said, well, you read newspapers. You just read them online. Newspapers still exist. They're just in a different format. I said, you know, there are going to be certain news outlets that 
will still be the credible news outlets. The Internet's made it so that it's almost hard sometimes to figure out what's truth and what's what somebody made up. So there has to be some credible sources for journalists. It's just a matter of perspective and the way you think. And she's like, oh, I never thought of it that way before. Because mm. for her, she thinks newspapers are only newsprint. You know, yeah. the physical thing. And to me, newspapers are newspapers. Whether you read them online or whether you read them on paper, they're still a newspaper. They're a credible source with journalists, hopefully a credible source because we've seen several that, you know, say they are and articles turn out wrong. Um, you know, I kind of feel like the generation you and I come from sort of bridges those two. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you, you have um, – you have an older generation, for example, that even views work differently and, and than the, the, the youngest generation currently in, in the workplace. And I always find that, you know, in my generation, which is kind of between, um, I find very often that I'm helping to fill the gap between how people, you know, think using technology and how they think without it. And then, you know, helping them understand you know, the world of the other person. And and then, you know, just trying to, you know, get people on the same page. And it's really, it's very challenging now to do all of that. And, yeah, I think you and I are, are among the people who are in between, especially from a technology standpoint. I mean, I know that you are very savvy te- technologically, and I'm a little bit savvy technologically, um, but nowhere near, you know, some of my younger counterparts that um, just grew up with it. So, you know, sometimes I feel like um, it takes me a lot longer to learn things that um, a younger person would learn very quickly, and yet I can learn it more quickly than someone who, you know, hasn't had as much exposure as I've had. So it's all—it's a continuum that occurs here, and you know, we're all somewhere on the continuum. But technology is going to continue to change and and you know adapt. Um, to changing needs. So, you know, we're all going to be faced with that learning curve at some point. How do you think technology has changed leadership? Well, it's a great thing to think about because, um, you know, the, the thing that comes immediately to mind is just in, in the way that people communicate and understanding understanding those differences. But I also think that, um, you know, if you grew up with with technology, and, you know, you, you're really quick at doing research and finding things out, you know, you, you feel like you have um, all the information that you need uh, to be successful. But very often what's lacking is um, the interactive aspect of information and information exchange. So what I mean by that is there's still an element of, you know, communication that requires, you know, relationship building. It requires building trust. It requires effective communication. You know, you, you can't, you know yourself, if you even read an email sometimes, you can't necessarily pick up on the tone the person has. You certainly can't pick up on their body language. And so it's very different when you're having a face-to-face conversation with someone and you're able to tune into what else is going on, you know, what's what's being said, but also what's not being said. And I think when you live in a world of technology, you lose some of those nuances that can really make a difference in 
how effectively you can respond as a leader. And that's, I think, you know, one of the things that's going to continue to make um, leadership more and more of a challenge as we move forward because, you know, more and more people relying on technology to get things done will be very effective in some ways, but they'll also miss some of what's important. Yeah. It, it, it's fascinating what you were talking about, you know, with the technology and, and how to use it and building relationships. Because if you're not of the same generation as the person you're trying to build a relationship with, sometimes it's difficult because they don't want to meet you where you are, but yet you have to meet them where they are. Well, if you want to be effective at it, that's that's a good place to start, you know. Yeah. And um, and especially in a leadership role, this is what I think has become so important. You know, people just do not respond to. Not all people respond to just one way of leading. You know, you really have to figure out, you know, what is it that, where where is this person and how do I meet them where they are and bring them along where I need them to be? Um, and, you know, everyone's in a different place to start with. So, you know, that, that is, um, that is part, of the, um, part of the challenge and I say part of the opportunity because if you do figure this out, I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of what, what you can accomplish and how you can influence people um, because you're really, you know, you're, you're collaborating with them instead of, you know, in a way you're collaborating with them instead of leading. And I think leader, leadership itself has become more of a partnership among people than it has, um, you know, here's the person at the top and here are the rest of us. I think it's really become more collaborative um, in, in that time frame as we continue to as we continue to uh, move forward. I mean, what I've seen over the past 40 years is, you know, it takes place on a continuum of, of change, and I just think it's going to continue to happen. We talked about things that good leaders need to do, what leadership is all about, how leadership's changed. What are three warning signs that you're not a good leader? Well, let's see. I would say that um, one of the things we've already talked about is you're relying on your position to lead. So, you know, maybe you've heard yourself say things like, hey, I'm the boss, do it because I said so, or or something like that. Um, That's a sign that you're relying on your position to lead instead of, you know, using uh, using influence or using other skills. Um, I think another warning sign is, treating everyone exactly the same because you think it's fair. And so I'm going to say you, you may have the best intentions around that. You think it's fair to treat everyone the same. And it may, and it may seem fair, but it's also ineffective. You know, you do need to take the time to know people, connect them, understand what's important to them, and, you know, work in collaboration to achieve what is important to them plus what's important to you. And then a third thing that I would say is that you know, a warning sign is that you've stopped investing in your development or or your team's development, um, you know, because your organization will hit a ceiling beyond which it cannot grow if you're not investing in um, leadership capability in your, in your organization because the world is moving at a faster pace and you have to, you have to invest just to keep up. So those are the, those are the three things that I see as warning signs, and they're also probably the most common things that I see. 
does investing in your own development or that of your team, does it have to cost a lot of money? Not at all. No, there's so many things, especially today, you have access to so much. Um, this is one of the great things about about the Internet and um, what it's made available to us. I mean, you can, you can um, read a book. You can attend a webinar online, sometimes for free, sometimes at a very minimal cost. Um, you can attend workshops and conferences and, and seminars, you know, and, and things that allow you to, to learn. You can join a, a group like a mastermind or a support group of some kind. Um, you know, I, I think there are so many ways that you can invest in your development. Read a book, for God's sake. You know, um, the statistics. They can read Becoming many, Deliberate, Changing yeah, the Game exactly. of Leadership from the Inside Out. Well, and, you know, the statistics around um, how many people don't read uh, today are just so alarming to me. And I don't care whether you read an ebook or, or a, you know, a paperback or a hardcover book. Um, just read. I mean, reading is, is one of the great joys in life. And, you know, it's just a great way to learn. It's just a great way to lose yourself in the moment. And, um, you know, it's, it's really a great uh, – one of my great joys is reading. So – um, but, yeah, it does not have to be expensive to um, invest in your development today. It really doesn't. I mean, it can be. You certainly can invest in having, you know, someone come in and coach your team or um, provide training and development for your team or for yourself. Um, but there's a full range of opportunities that exist today that didn't exist even 10 years ago. And you actually have some free gifts that, people can download from your website to help them do development on their own, right? I do. And I also, um, I also create a blog on a, on a pretty regular basis, almost we- weekly, um, which is just informational and um, just some of the things that I've learned that I like sharing with people. And very often it's action-oriented. I mean, I, very often I will give some you know, action steps that you can take uh, to follow up on whatever the concept is that I'm describing, just because I I have had this great opportunity in my life to learn um, about leadership. A lot, Laura, that I learned was from people that were lousy leaders, honestly. I, I learned what not to do, um, and then I would experiment with other ways to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And, and you know, over that time frame, I, I learned some very effective ways to lead. And I just enjoy helping other people learn those things because I think the world needs more leaders, more leadership today. So it's really important to me um, to help other people get become more effective as leaders. And I read your blog whenever it com- when it comes out, and there's some great stuff in it. I, I love reading your blog. It's very enjoyable. Thank uh, you. And they can um, subscribe and get everything at becomingdeliberate.com. That's actually the website for my book. Okay. And um, when they, when when anybody goes there, they can order the book from any online um, bookseller. And by going to that website instead of going directly to the bookseller, you can also register for some free gifts that I've uh, that I've provided to my readers, um, just as a way to celebrate the book uh, coming out and just providing some additional information that's re- relative to. Um, leadership. And um, that's also a good way to become part of my community of savvy business leaders that I communicate with on a regular basis with 
um, knowledge, information, uh, special offers, uh, just all kinds of things. Excellent. So, Cheryl, you were talking about the three warning signs that someone's not a good leader. Number one, you're relying on your position to lead. You're treating everyone exactly the same as number two. Um, number three, you've stopped investing in your development or that of your team. How does that play out, though? So, like, if, if you're not even really realizing or seeing these warning signs, what are the things you need to be looking out for to, that give you the signals? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because I think sometimes it's not it's not apparent to people that they're um, relying on their position or that they're treating everyone the same way, and that's not the best best thing. Um, but here's what you see. Here's what you actually see in your organization when you're ineffective as a leader. First of all, you are you have frustration because your team is not following through um, in the way that you want or the time frame that you want. Um, you also may see an increase in turnover. And along with that, you're probably losing your best people, not just anyone, but your best people, because they're they're going to go someplace where they have effective leadership and more opportunity to grow and to learn. Um, the other thing you probably will see is um, an increase in absenteeism, and because people just they don't care. So you know, if there's any reason not to be there, they'll take it. They're not invested um, in the business anymore. Right, exactly. They're not engaged. And, um, you know, as a result, too, their productivity, the productivity overall of the team or the company may be decreasing, you know, just not as much as getting done. And, you know, you don't see people volunteering for assignments or for doing anything extra. They just, they're, they're kind of some level of checked out. And um, that's how well, you, you know, you, you can see that. You and I were talking about that at one of my clients right now. I was telling mm-hmm. you a situation that's come up. It's, it's exactly all of this so far. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, you know, and it's it can be really scary if you start to put connect all these dots together and you realize that it, there's a bigger there's a bigger message here with all this stuff going on, um, and it is a leadership message. Unfortunately, I mean, I think it's easy for a leader to say, yeah, I just don't have good people or my people don't care or they don't do what they're told or they, you know, they they don't show up when I need them or, you know, it's just it's easier to blame the team um, when really people who are in a leadership position should be looking at my, you know, I should be looking at myself to say, you know, what what do I need to do differently in order to create the kind of environment that good people want to be part of, that good people want to make their con- their best contribution. They want to show up and they want to do the right thing and they, you know, want to, you know, perform at a high level. Um, that all starts with the leader. You know, whether you like it or not as the leader, it really does fall to you to um, create the difference. Now, say somebody sees all of this playing out. You know, mm-hmm. their team's not following through. They've got... They're losing their best people. They've got absenteeism issues. Productivity's falling, you know, like, and and on and on. You know, nobody's volunteering. All of these things. They're seeing all this. Is it possible for that person to turn it around and earn the trust again of the staff or or the business? Can it be turned around? What do they need to do? Oh, absolutely, it can be turned around. Um, I'm not going to suggest that it's easy because it isn't, but it can be turned around. I, I think, first of all, you, you've got to – what I usually recommend to people is you've got to put some kind of a stake in the ground that says, 
okay, enough. You know, from here forward, we're going to do things differently. I'm going to do things differently. And I need your help. So whatever that is, I mean, sometimes what I will do with a leader who has an interest in doing this is we'll, we'll create an event, um, you know, and, and, and it's an event that signals, you know, we, we, we have some type of a team-building activity, but we're signaling to the team that, you know, from here forward we're going we're gonna to do things differently. We're going to work hard to make this the kind of environment that we all can be proud of, that we all can um, – you know, survive and thrive in, that we all can make our best contribution in. And then it becomes a question of, you know, really working with individuals to figure out, like, what does that look like for you? And how can I be a better leader to you? And let me be real clear on what my expectations are. And let me give you some really clear feedback on how, how you're doing and how and where you can improve and what some of your um, opportunities might be. You know, communication has a whole lot to do with um, overcoming some of the the issues because a lot of times what you'll find in an organization that's suffering from those kinds of symptoms um, and you ask the team, you know, what's missing here, you know, what's wrong, um, the number one thing they'll point to is communication. We don't, we don't know where we stand. We don't know how we fit in. We don't know what's important. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what the goals of the organization are. We don't know what our part is in it. And it's, it, it's all around communication. So you can overcome it, but you have to be willing to um, take a stand, to um, communicate effectively, and to work hard at it. it. It's not easy. It's hard work. Being a leader is hard work. It's not for... Um, you know, it's, it's not for the faint of heart, as I always say. You really got to make a commitment. You know, I, I hear what you're saying. I have seen in some situations with, with some, peop- some of my clients and, and somebody, some other people's clients that no matter how hard they try, they can't seem to, with their existing staff, get them to see them as anything except an ineffective leader, no matter how many good things and right things they're doing. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Well, sometimes you just you have to change out the team. And, you know, I, and, and in a situation where I see that um, occurring, um, you know, I would, I would start out with, um, you know, ranking all the, the members of the team in, in order of their contribution. You know, who's most important? And, you know, who's making the biggest contribution to the, to the um, success of the organization? And who's second? And who's third? And who's fourth? And who's fifth? And, you know, I, I would also, you know, make sure I've been crystal clear at, with each of those people what my expectations are and where they're falling short. And I would work hard to put the ball in their court as to whether or not they wanted to continue and whether they wanted to um, participate fully in accordance with, you know, my my expectations, my standard of um, performance. And then if, if they um, weren't responding to that, I'd start with the person who is either the biggest problem or the least likely to change or has given, the, you know, the most... Um, Either Resistance. the most trouble or the most, um, you know, the most indication that they're not going to get on board no matter what, and I would replace that person. 
and I would just keep working until I had the team that I wanted. See, what happens when you kind of start at the bottom and move up is, you know, people start to get the message. Sometimes they, they need to see a demonstration that, you know, I'm, as the leader, I'm serious about wanting to improve the overall team. Because if, if there is a person at the bottom of the heap, so to speak, you're not the only one that knows it. Everyone on the team knows that that person is underperforming and, you know, not making their full contribution. And they're frustrated by it. I'm sure you've worked on a team where, you know, you might be, you know, doing more than what's required. And it gets a little um, annoying when there's people that are, you know, also members of the team that aren't doing their part. And so you have to do a little more than your part so, so that they could slack off. So everyone knows when someone's not contributing, when someone's not performing. So when you, when you um, exit that person from the organization or from the team, that sends a strong message that you're serious about wanting to upgrade the team, wanting to get you know, just the best possible people on the team, and wanting to work you know, collaboratively together to move forward. So, yeah, there's lots of things you can do. I mean, I always start with, you know, the communication, making sure that I'm doing the best possible job, but then you just might need to change out the members of the team. And when you do bring in the new team, make sure you're you're clear and you follow through and, and you're leading exactly. by example as well. Right. And, and you have to, you know, that's a, that's a work in progress. I mean, you have to keep working at it. You have to keep investing in yourself. You have to keep learning. You have to keep growing. You're going to make some mistakes. You have to own the mistakes. And you have to learn from the mistakes, and you have to move forward. Because, you know, actually people are really quite, um, I'll use the word forgiving, they're quite forgiving or they're quite understanding that you're not perfect as a leader. And I always used to tell my teams that I would lead, look, I'm not perfect. I don't pretend to be perfect. I'm a work in progress. I'll always be a work in progress. And, but here's what's important to me. Here's what I stand for. And if you don't see me behaving in a way that is consistent with what I say I stand for, you need to call me out on it. You have my permission to call me out on it. In fact, you have my sincere request to call me out on it. Because when you see something that's inconsistent between what I say and what I do, I want to know it. Because I'll never get better unless I know that, unless I know where I'm, where I'm um you know, failing to perform to the level that I aspire to. So I really need your help with this, and I, and I really want your help with this. And, I, you know, I've always found that when you deliver a message like that to people, they respond to it in kind. I mean, they'll, they'll give you some slack. They will. They'll cut you some slack, and they will give you the feedback if you don't, um, if, if you, don't uh, you know, uh, kill the messenger. You know, if you really listen to the feedback and hear it and act on it and be grateful for it, um, you know, they'll participate. It, again, it takes time. I don't, I don't want to convey that this can happen overnight because it, it is, it's a long-term process to build that kind of trust and build those kinds of relationships. It doesn't happen overnight. No. So think. what's your best advice for leaders of today and, and the leaders of tomorrow? Well, I would say that number one is um, to be authentic. You know, really be yourself, and you know, with uh, with every with everything that's good and and bad. I mean, admit, you know, own own the full you. You know, I, I have these 
blind spots or these weaknesses or I struggle with these things and, you know, I need your help with that. So being authentic because, you know, here's what I say about blind spots. Everyone can see them except you. (laughs) So a lot of times the leaders say, well, I don't want people to know what my weaknesses are. I say, you know what, got news for you. They already know. (laughs) And when you tell them that you know, that helps because now they know that you know in addition to them knowing. So, you know, be, being that kind of authentic is really critical. Um, and along with that, just working on yourself relentlessly. I mean, just really making the commitment to get better and do better and be better. And, you know, whatever it takes, you know, that kind of commitment that says, you know what, whatever it takes, I'm going to be the best leader I can be. Is that the inner work that you talk about in your book? It is, yeah. You're a work in progress just like the rest of us, and it's all about the inside work that you do to be a better person, which leads you to be a better leader. Um, and, you know, and finally I would say understand the significant privilege and responsibility of leading. You know, take it seriously, in other words. It's, it's, a, it's an opportunity. It's a responsibility, and it's a privilege. It's all those things. And, you know, you really have to view it to view it as such because it's so worth it if you if you become a really effective leader what you get back from the investment that you've made is immeasurable because what you see is people thriving what you see is people doing their best work what you see is people moving beyond where they thought they could move um, really being, you know, successful on all kinds of levels. And if you're really lucky, and I've been really lucky, um, you get to see people that out, that end up outperforming you. And, you know, they go on to bigger and better things than you even aspired to. And nothing is more, nothing is more um, rewarding than that, in my opinion. Yeah, I love it when a client I've worked with surpasses anything that I achieved. Yeah. So Sometimes it's like, right? oh, my oh my gosh, how could they? Wait a minute, I taught them to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's so, it's so gratifying, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it, it is. It feels really good when you can watch somebody really blossom and really grow and really, you know, just make a big contribution to the world. Yeah, it's, it's very satisfying when you know that you've guided somebody to own themselves and step into who they truly are. Yeah, it is. Really good stuff. Now, you're like me. You love asking questions. um, And you love learning new questions and exploring and doing the inner work. Is there any question that you ask yourself or that somewhere along the way someone asked you that you credit with putting you on the path or that you're on today or that just really stands out for you as a, a turning point question? Well, I, I, I would say this, and it sounds really simple, but to me it's pretty profound. And it's, um, it's a question that is, what can I do to be a more effective leader? Who can I be? What can I do and who can I be to be a more effective leader? And I, I, I do go back and think about someone who asked me that one time with, with the understanding that, Cheryl, in addition to all your responsibilities in this organization, you have a very specific responsibility around leadership here. 
and I want you to really understand what that means to you and what you intend to do with it. And, you know, that was a turning point for me because I, I, I just thought of leadership as being part of my job. I didn't think of it as a separate job within my job. And, you know, and, and therefore that I had to devote time, energy, and attention and focus to it. And when I started to do that is when I started to become, you know, more, more effective and gain credibility as a leader and, and be asked to take on bigger and bigger levels of responsibility, really even beyond what I thought I could do myself. But other people saw that I could rise to the occasion. And it was all because I was working on me all the time, working on me all the time. Is that where your title of your book and the concept for your book came from? Partially, yes, absolutely. I hadn't really thought about it, but yes, it definitely, it definitely has become, it has come from that because it was the point at which I decided to become deliberate in my um, in the pursuit of my leadership ability and credibility. So, why this book now? Wow, you know, I. I've um, been told for years that I should write a book because I have all these stories, <laughs> especially my leadership stories. Some of the people I worked for were interesting, to say the least. And so I knew that I would write a book someday, but you know how you put off things someday, someday, someday? Um, you know, it just got to the point in my life, Laura, where it was time. And part of the reason it was time was because I do a lot of, coaching, one-to-one um, -one coaching, and I've actually started to move away from a lot of the one-to-one -one coaching into more group coaching because I, I, I continually am um, challenged by this idea that I have less time to have more impact, and so I'm trying to find ways to leverage the impact that I can have. You know, I, I have had all this great experience. I've learned from all these great leaders. And I have a lot to give, and so I want to give it to wider and wider audiences. So that's why I've started to work more with groups. I've started to train in larger groups. I've started to speak in larger groups. And I felt like, you know, writing the book was a way to reach more people. So with the message of leadership and the importance of leadership. So that was the reason why it finally came to be. I don't think it'll be my last book because I really enjoyed the process, but it took me a long time to get this first book out, no question about it. But it's one of those books that I honestly believe needs to be in everybody's library. So I hope all of my listeners today will, will grab a copy of it. It's just that powerful. Well, thank you, Laura. I hope so too, you know, because, um, and you know what, I am really interested when people um, read the book, I... I've said this on my website. I've said it in the book. I, I love to hear people's um, reactions and, you know, what they got out of it and how it helped them and anything that they can tell me. Or even if they have a criticism or a question or something that doesn't ring true, I, I want to hear it. I really do want to hear it because um, it's just part of my ongoing process of trying to do better and be better. And I love to have feedback from people about, um, you know, what happened as a result of our interaction, whether it was a reading interaction or a speaking interaction. So I always welcome that. I, I think that's great. And one of the things I love about your book is how many questions you pose in it. 
And, you know, you know I'm all about the questions. My my listeners know it's all about the questions. That's it's why the name the of the show is. It's all about the questions, you know. My it book. is all about the questions. You know, questions are just such an important element of learning because, you know, we all have, we all want to respond to a question. You know, we, we want to respond to a question. So even if we ask ourselves the question, we, we want to respond to it. So it's a great way to get yourself thinking about the things you need to be thinking about is to ask yourself a good question. Yeah, and, and I really, one of the reasons I wrote What Would a Wise Woman Do?, is because what I realized is so many people ask questions to get the answers that they want. What would life be like if you ask questions to get the answers that you needed? Yeah. But sometimes you don't even know what those questions are because you don't have the perspective to to look at it. And when I read books like yours or some of the other guests that we had on the show, like Marlene Chisholm and... Cheryl Lushung and so many other people, um, even um, Patricia Knoll and her book Good With Me. There are so many books that every t- when I read these, and that's why I have you guys on as my guests, it shifts my perspective. It challenges my perception, which enables me to ask better questions. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> So I thank you for writing this book and, and for being on the show today. Um, can you share one more time with my listeners how they can reach out to you and find out about your book as well? Sure thing. Well, um, the easiest way to reach out to me is by email, which is Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L, at ellisbusinessenterprises.com. And... That's the email that I look at most, so I I offer that one. And then um, go to my book website, which is www.becomingdeliberate.com, which is where you can not only order the book, but you can also register for the free gifts and to become part of my community. But it's also tied into my bigger website, so you'll, you know, once there you can navigate around to see what else is there. that you might be interested in, including the blog and other things. So um, that's the best, those are the best ways to, to reach me. And I just want to say, Laura, um, thank you for what you're doing with this show. I think it's so important to ask good questions. I, um, it's been just such a pleasure to be with you today and to be with your listeners. And I really enjoy our time together and look forward to the next time. I, I as well, and thank you so much for that. So everyone... Um, You can listen to this if there's anything you missed or you couldn't keep up with all the amazing information that Cheryl shared with us today. It will be up on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you happen to be listening to this on iTunes and Stitcher, thank you so much. I would love it if you'd be willing to uh, subscribe and rate and review this particular podcast and the podcast in general because it really does help us. And we have been trending new and noteworthy since the day we went up online with iTunes, and that is all because of you, my amazing listeners. So thank you so much. And remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.